Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Do you love watching live TV but are tired of your huge cable bill? Sling TV has the same top cable channels for as little as half the price, so you can save hundreds of dollars while still watching your favorite sports, news, reality TV, and more. Ditch cable and get Sling's total live streaming solution with free local channels. Setup and installation are included. Make the smart choice and switch to Sling TV. Get the best of cable for the best price. Learn more at sling.com slash cut cable. That's sling.com slash cut cable. Setup and installation included with $49 down and $20 a month for 12 months. Restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Football Grad Podcast. I'm your host Manu Weff. And before we start getting into the thick of things, let me talk, chat about the results of the Russian Premier League. Yeah, we've some, got some interesting ones and some non-ones, but we'll get into that. Um, Ruben won, Dynamo Moscow won, a uh, board draw between uh, some teams that are a bit stuck in the middle of the table this season. Yenisei Ahmad 1-1. Yeah, this was the Arctic Circle derby. Definitely a game worth chatting for about a lot this, uh, this episode. Um, Orenburg, Kuryasovetov. This game was cancelled. Yeah, it's cold in Russia. Games are getting cancelled. Anchi Ufa 0-0. Krasnodar 2 Ural 0. Yeah, Krasnodar ramping up there. Championship challenge. Uh, that's definitely one big topic today. Um, Rostov 0. CSKA 0, Spartak 2-1 against Loco in the Moscow derby. I know someone is going to be quite happy about that. And the reason why Krasnodar are ramping up their title challenge is because Arsenal beat Senate 4-2. Boys, we got quite a bit to chat about and help me chat about this. As always, is Tim. Tim, yeah, some non-results, some bizarre results, some cold results. We had everything this weekend. Yeah, that's what usually happens down close to the end of the calendar here in Russia. Uh, the weather is uh, interesting to to be uh, to say it in a careful way. Uh, but yeah, we we will talk about everything and we'll cover all the games which happened and didn't happen. Yeah, absolutely. Help us do that is as always. Um, Andrew Flint all the way in Siberia. Uh, Andrew, what's what's the weather there right now? Not as tropical as Vancouver or Vancouver Island, but it's, uh, it's it's actually quite warm. It's only about only about five six degrees today, so the um, Siberian five or six degrees, I might add. But yeah, it's fine. It's manageable. Um, you could play football in this, uh, unlike in certain places that you mentioned. Uh, is is that uh, five or six plus or minus? <laughs> it's the the Siberian the minus. Oh, it's the minus. Yeah, because for us it's the other way around, and I've been freezing. Um, but that's because we live in a pretty tropical climate, isn't it, Tim? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Shorts and t-shirt uh, all the way through. Um, shorts and t-shirts. 
that's not something that uh, Kokoran and Mamai are going to wear anytime soon. Because, um, Andrew, give us a little update on this. Looks like they're going to be um, spending some time in jail. Well, yes, they certainly will be. Um, I mean, after their assault that we covered in a Football Grad podcast a couple of months ago, after they, they beat up two two people after the Zanita against Krasadar game, um, who, of course, turned out to be, for, from their point of view, rather unfortunately uh, well-positioned people, shall we say, well-connected people. Um, points are they were they were put in jail until sentencing, and today it was announced that, well, it was postponed, basically. They'll be in jail till February, at least. Um, the prosecution are pushing for three years' sentence. Um, now, I mean, it, it was it was assault. Two people were attacked. They both were severely injured, but are... You know they're surviving. Um, so I don't, I'm not an expert on the length of jail terms, but I think this is a positive thing because the number of times we see people in privileged positions get away with all manner of crimes um, in Russia, I think it's good that this is at least not looking like they will get away with it. So for the time being, Kokorin and Mamayev will be in jail, and um, by this time next year, of course, we will certainly know. Um, but they could be, and it could be Mamayev um, in jail until the age of 33 if that sentence goes through, which would effectively end his career. So, I, I, realistically, I think I think it's good. I think it's the right thing, and I'm, I'm sure you guys will probably agree with that. So we'll see what happens uh, in February. But for now, it's a positive step. Yeah, Tim, how do you see this? I mean, um, th this has been a widely publicized case in Russia, and. Um, you know, all the lawmakers that have spoken to various media in, in, in Russia said that this will be one where we come out hard, down hard, right? And it feels like they almost have to now. Listen, like I, I'm not a law specialist. I don't know how all those things works. My vision on the story is that, uh, Kakorin and Mamayan are right now being in jail, uh, because they are products of the system which created them. And that system now is judges them. Uh, because obviously, you know, they, they were making crazy money, uh, because of lots of reasons, because they have the, they, because they were playing for wealthy clubs, because of uh, the foreigner rule, um, because of the agents and because of lots of things. Um, that system, uh, the football system and political system gave them their wealth, uh, gave them their position in society. And now that system judges them. So I think this is the fair, um, situation in terms of, um, they, that, that system which is judges them with all the uh, interesting stories which is happening around this case, but that system created them and now they are, um, kind of responding to that, to that system which, which created them. So I, like I said, I don't know how all those things work and I don't really understand about this two months, then two months more. I, I, I really, I don't, I don't know how that works, but to me it doesn't really matter. Uh, that system which created them is now is, uh, judges them. And, um, whatever comes out, it, it will be some kind of, of scenario, scenario. But I think, uh, that is a fair result because they got into this privileged position, uh, because they were footballers, because they were, they had, um, they were playing for wealthy clubs. And, um, and that position of being a privileged, uh, wealthy, uh, sports person and a very famous person, uh, resulted in their behavior, uh, which led to them being in the jail so 
I don't have an opinion, but I think what's happening is fair, not because of the law rules, because I just don't understand how it throws, because uh, they got all their mm, wealth through uh, that system. I, am I making sense? I yeah, you sure. make absolute sense. And I think you're saying something really fascinating here, Tim, because the, 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 the way you describe the system is that it protects the rich and wealthy in Russia, Russia right? And always has. Um, yeah. And they basically, <laughs> they just happened to beat up someone who was even wealthier and richer than they were. Exactly. And this is, this is the only reason why we're chatting about this. And, uh-huh. and that I think, I think, I find that's a very fascinating part about this entire story, right? Is that, um, if they had prowled their ways through Moscow and not beaten up the chauffeur of a wealthy person, right? We wouldn't be sitting here discussing this right now. Absolutely. And I think that is really the one thing that we have to really underline in this entire discussion is that the fact that they, the very system that always protected them is now crashing down on them because they just happened to run against a wall that was even bigger than they were. I, th- I think you guys are right, actually, on that one. It's depressing to say so, but, um, and that's why I mentioned it in my little recap earlier, just that they, in their eyes, and this is not the way it should be looked at at all, it's not what I'm condoning, but simply for, in their eyes, they couldn't have picked two worse people to pick up. Um, and it, th- that should be an irrelevant point in all this. Um, so I, I Tim, it's, it's bold of you, I think, and right, but bold of you to, to point out the broader problem here. Um, in the short term, I think it's good. The jail sentence being at least not ruled out. And I'm not ruling out myself them somehow getting a lawyer skilled enough to get them out of this somehow. Um, that's the negative side of me coming through. Um, but yeah, on the broader scale, I think you guys are right to pick out the societal issue yeah. that's at stake here. And I, I don't think it's special. I don't think it's specific to Russia particularly. It may be more pronounced here perhaps, mm. but. It's certainly an issue that needs to be looked at. Um, people in entitled positions, but um, but let's let's try I, our know, best. Andrew, Andrew, I think I think the sentence term is right. I I, I yeah. have I I actually completely agree with everything you said. I just think it's interesting that it is because I think Tim Tim and what Tim and I are trying to convey here is that if they, you know, the sentence should always be right. What we think sort of what we're sort of trying to say is that the only reason why it's happening this time around is because they just happened to beat up someone who was richer and wealthier than they were. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, there's a couple well, of years, couple of years ago, I read a really good article about uh, one of the, the kids of a rich uh, Russian oligarch almost beating up someone and killing someone and got away with it more or less. Right. Because the person was a nobody, a student in, in the streets of Moscow. So this, this is sort of what I'm, what we're trying to get here. Right. Yeah, I mean, it's, um, I, I think, uh, no, I think, I think you're absolutely right. But I mean, the only, I don't want to be, I don't want to gloss over it at all. I'm not, I really am not. But I think if there's any, any silver lining at all to this situation, it is that it is, it's, it's sad, it's pathetic, it's wrong, it's immoral even that it takes a case this big to highlight an issue. But if it can highlight the issue and can bring enough light and say, look, you're not going to get away with this forever. Then perhaps there is some good that can come of it. It's it's wrong that it should come this far. That we need somebody to be beaten up um, for these this this issue to be raised. But you're right to raise it, guys. Um, let's just keep our fingers crossed that it some good can come of it. Yeah, I think it's a fascinating story, and I guess as it develops, we'll, we'll keep an eye on it um, because I don't think we have quite heard the the end of it yet. And 
I think it points out quite a lot of significant issues within Russian society as well. Um, as football often does, I mean, we, we get, we get to a point, uh, we get to discuss, um, something that's quite significant for Russian society in just a moment. But before we do this, um, boys, are you both excited for that? I know it's happening just a few hours after, uh, record this. So we were really briefly on the, uh, Ural against Spartak in the Russian Cup. Tim, Andrew, how are you feeling well, about that? Well, uh, no chance against Mighty Oral, I think. Uh, my club is a complete <laughs> mess, so and we're facing such a strong opposition. Um, I don't think we have any chances. Uh, Football Grad Derby will be lost by Spartak Moscow, and Oral will uh, march to the semi-final of the Russian Cup. Oh, God, we'll never hear the end of it. Guys, <laughs> <laughs> this is, this is going to become the Oral part. And all the, if it's not happening. No, in, in all seriousness, it's um, a couple of things I'd say. One, I think it's a quite brain dead decision of the uh, of the Russian Football Union to make it a two leg affair from the quarter final stage um, this year. What on earth is the point of just simply adding another fixture? They will claim in the sense, in in the name of making a more fair, balanced. Uh, tie at this level of the competition but in reality nobody really cares enough to make it a two-leg affair when it's already a packed calendar with the winter uh, the winter break the conditions in the cold months are such that there is no choice for the Russian Premier League um, the Russian Cup to to fit their fixtures any other way and they're making it even more crowded so luckily um, Spartak will be back in Yekaterinburg in lovely February just when the temperatures are Still absolutely freezing. I mean, that, that's, that's, that's mad. But, you know, the match tonight, if I'm being honest, as an Oral man, um, I'm not expecting us to win. I don't, I think the, the league result was a, was a freak result, to be honest with you. Um, but I see just the thinnest, thinnest glimpses of a resurgence under Konimov. It's not complete by any means. There were gaps in the performance against Locomotive, but, I did see something, something resembling a bit of a threat going forwards. Um, so if your two first choice strikers, Luis Adriano and, um, so do we start him, then I think it might be, it might be a first leg advantage to your boys. Oh, we'll see. We'll see. I'm, I'm not even sure what to think at this <laughs> point about my team, especially when you're facing such a mighty uh, team with such massive support from uh, one of the f- best football grad writers, you know, uh, I'm, 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 I'm scared to be honest. <laughs> yeah, we're being a bit too English about this to each other. I think, yeah, we're definitely going to win. Pull in. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. Um, let's move on to what really matters. I mean, I know that this doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> The, uh, I, I gave, I called this the Arctic Derby. Um, of course, this was not a Derby at all. I think as I wrote in, because this is the, um, game that we actually previewed this week. And, um, as I pointed out in the article, the two teams were actually separated by 5,600 kilometers. No Derby about that at all. Um, but yeah, uh, poor Ahmad Krosny had to travel all the way to Krasnoyarsk. Um, this game actually took place, Tim. Remarkable. I think it was yeah, minus it's... 17 degrees at one point. Um, it's crazy. The the way the ball skipped on that surface. Um, I have played in minus temperatures like that as a kid. I, I, I can tell you right now, it's not fun. I assume you have as well. Um, 
this is of course professional football we're talking about. Uh, nuts. They actually played in Krasnoyarsk in December at temperatures that are Arctic. Absolutely. Yeah. The game, the game was played, uh, around minus 17. Um, just to give you the official point of view, uh, the, pem- the temperature must be, um, below minus 15, uh, one meter above the field for the game to get canceled. Uh, Ahmad Grozny arrived, uh, to Krasnoyarsk and they didn't really want to play because they know what kind of weather was expected and they knew it wasn't reasonable to play the game. But according to Ahmad Grozny, they said that, uh, all those people crowded around the thermometer and, um, were everywhere else in the city, it was somewhere around 17, 19 because there were so many people around thermometer. The temperature went, uh, higher and it was around 13 degrees, which was good enough to, for the game to start. Uh, even the, the coach of, uh, of Ahmad, uh, Groznay, Rashid Rahimov said, you should have all left the thermometer for like, for good, um, 10, 10, 15 minutes so that it goes below, uh, 15, 15 degrees. But, uh, the game was absolutely insane. Uh, it's both teams are claiming they, that they offered to, uh, change, uh, change the, the time of the game because you can swap, uh, the home and away games and they offered both teams said that they offered, but they uh, accused another team of not accepting their offer. Uh, the league says that um, the, K- the game can go go on because it was uh, warmer than minus 15. But it's absolutely insane. You know, those are people like they're professional sports people. And playing in those conditions is no good for, for the football, for the fans. Uh, for for the players is very dangerous. Uh, yeah, Rashid Rahimov was saying about the the foreign players which they have in 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 their squad, and he said that the poor Mohammadi who is from Iran, he was just like going crazy. He was he wasn't he, he couldn't see well <laughs> because because it was so cold. And I know I've played in those conditions, yeah. uh, but uh, when we played. Uh, we put some extra clothing. We put uh, like actual, you know, jackets and 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 pants. Um, we didn't really play like them because they play really. <laughs> it's like there's minimum clothing on them. Uh, we obviously were we were kids and we were less mobile. But again, we we were at least a bit warmer. But uh, the the conditions which players played is just absolutely insane. So yeah. But the re- the reason I think the game didn't get moved anywhere because there's not not that not there many opportunities to move that game, um, so the league really wanted them to play and uh, the, the Ahmad didn't want to play. Yenisei wanted to play because from their point of view they also didn't want to lose a home game because they offered to play somewhere else, not in Grozny but maybe on a pitch like let's say in Moscow in Himki in the beautiful Himki Arena. But they decided, they said no because they didn't want to. Uh, lose out on a home game, especially in their situation when they're just being last on the table, every point counts for them. So it's a, it's a, it's classic Russian Premier League situation, full of mess, full of coldness and uh, empty seats in the stadium. You know, you, you know where the, the first leg between those teams was in August and they played that in Chechnya. Yeah. <laughs> so, so just play that game in Krasnodar. And, and that day in Grozny, it was plus four. Not ideal, but definitely better than minus seven. You couldn't easily play a plus four. But, you know, the other thing is Chechnya in August is like plus 40. 
<laughs> so, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that's the other question. Are you, are you suggesting they didn't use just a little bit of common sense and forward planning at the beginning of the season? How could you yet again accuse the Russian football authorities of this? I'm just, I, I, I just, uh, yeah, you know what? Sorry, I can't keep it up anymore. Yeah, it's just ridiculous, right? It's yeah. just madness. I, I mean, I mean you, look, can, you can play you, those low it, temperatures, it, but you could easily have swapped those two games around. Well, man, they could, they could. You know, in England, there's a quite a big deal made of like this last weekend, for example, um, all because of the TV companies. They arranged three derby fixtures all on the same day on the Sunday, so they could all be billed as a super Sunday of fixtures. And a lot of people get annoyed at how they manipulate the fixtures. Well, the weather is not an issue in England. I don't, I don't remember a fixture being called off for cold weather. Certainly not in my lifetime. It used to be in the 70s when. Undersol heating wasn't used. We're talking about Russia here. We know Grozny is a little bit different to Krasnyarsk, like you just mentioned. I honestly cannot see why, because they're protecting their own product here. They could protect their own product if they simply reverse those fixtures, enforce that sort of fixture um, arrangement. Why? You know, we saw in this game, this is winding me up. I'm getting really annoyed now. Um, and I've got something else I want to get annoyed about afterwards. In this game, the first goal is yet another example of how ridiculous this was. Uh, Minad Mohammadi, like 35 yards out, loops a lo- useless ball into the box. Um, and David Yachenko is just standing there waiting for the ball to bounce up and catch it. Hits a patch device, skids underneath his leg, and that is the opening goal. That has massively, massively affected it. Yenisei would have won this game had that not happened, had they not played on a patch of ice, basically. Um, and just one other little side note I do want to mention. You said they didn't want to play this. I'll tell you why they didn't want to move it somewhere else, because they didn't want to play at Kimke Arena, and that I can understand. <laughs> yeah, that's worse than playing in minus 17. <laughs> I would rather play minus 17 on ice than play it. Um, there's something interesting that Tim mentioned earlier about the thermometer. Um, I read an article yesterday in Sports RU there. Did you know that in Russia there's actually regulations on how the, the pitch is supposed to be... Um, the temperature on the pitch is supposed to be measured. It's supposed to be a guy. Oh, yeah. Oh. Yeah. So the, the guy is supposed to be single, single standing and the thermometer is supposed to be about two and a half meters above the field. And, uh, yeah, as he said, people are not supposed to crowd around it. I, I thought that was, <laughs> it's quite amazing. I mean, there's no story. Yeah, they have about, a rule. Yeah. There's rules about how to measure the temperature mm-hmm. on, on, in, on Russian fields. Um, <laughs> it's, it's ridiculous. I, I think the other thing is to, um, I think once Krosny were in Krasnoyarsk, there was really no chance that this game would not take place. Because it's an 11 hour flight from yes. Krosny. I mean, that's like me flying from Vancouver to Munich and, and, <laughs> and then finding out that there's no game. Um, just to put this into perspective, right? It's a, it's a long way to go. So. Um, yeah, I mean, it, 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 this is all remarkable. Um, but we're not quite done there yet because what was even more remarkable, and I, I'm pretty sure, Andrew, that's what you were allo- alluding to. Um, the Orenburg against Korea Sovetov game was cancelled. And, <laughs> no pun intended, Orenburg have an all weather pitch. Oh, dear Lord. Where do we start with this? I mean, it's, uh, Orenburg is, is not actually, Traditionally, this cold, but I mean, it's, I mean, it does, of course, it get, does get cold, but it's, 
it's very near the Kazakh border. Um, I mean, I'm in Tumen, I'm a 300 kilometers further north, and here we have, yes, we do get to minus 30 in the middle of January, perhaps, but right now it's minus five. That's the standard sort of temperature around now. So Orenburg, I'm, I'm surprised it was so cold, to be honest. Um, but yes, I mean, look, there, there are a lot of all-weather pitches in Russia. This is a fairly common thing. They're not new, to, it's not new technology, the materials, and they do have the latest, um, 3G, 4G pitches, whatever the, whatever you call them, the rubber crumb, the technology is all there. And there is undersoil heating. That's the thing. There is undersoil heating. At Orenburg, I don't know precisely what their setup below the pitch is, but I know in Tumen, which is a club with far lower resources than, uh, Gazprom Mark II, <coughs> sorry, Orenburg, I mean, um, and in Tumen, we have, we have undersoil heating. It's not very effective, I'll add, but we do have it. Um, so, we look, we, we're going on about technology here. What I can't understand is how, for example, in Tula, the Arsenal Tula game that we're going to mention in more detail, they covered the pitch. Now, I know that's not exactly rocket science, but covering the pitch will help just a little bit. It will help get the game on. Put a cover over the pitch, especially, especially if it's an all weather pitch. So the sunlight won't, have, you know, the lack of sunlight won't affect the growth of grass, for example. How can they not just simply cover the pitch a day or two before the game? I, that's what I don't get. Take it off to treat it. You, you do have to treat these pitches. You've got to look after them. But cover the pitch so, there's, so it's not iced over. How difficult is that? Yeah, no, it's not. Um, <laughs> it, it, it's just it's just funny when you said it's an all-weather pitch. But yeah, so that, that game was cancelled. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Boys, um, yeah, but before we move on, I found that picture from Krasnoyarsk where they all looking at that thermometer. I'll uh, tweet it and then you can retweet it, and so the people can see what actually makes the decision on the game on going on or going not. Yeah, and it's from Sports Are You, right? Uh, I'll definitely retweet that later so that people can see it. Um, yeah, it's it, it's funny. Um, Tim, I'm gonna stay with you because there was actually. It's hard to believe, but between all of this going on, there was actually a Moscow derby on the weekend. And yeah, yeah, um, you you can be happy. Spartak won. Come on, a little bit of more enthusiasm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love how I love how you put a really work hard to bring some positivity out of Tim. Come on, Tim. You <laughs> fall you fall from the table. Um, yeah. Yeah. Come on. I mean, I know it's early. Uh, we're recording this <laughs> bright and early, but I mean, a little bit more enthusiasm is allowed. You've leapfrogged uh, locomotives. Um, uh, you're only two points behind the Champions League spot. Th this is all good, right? Yeah, we could have achieved the same the, the previous coach as well. And uh, the, when the previous coach was fired, we were only one point uh, ahead. So I think it's a regress from the situation we had. But uh, to leave all my... Uh, uh, spicy comments outside. Uh, that was actually a very good, by, good game by Spartak. Uh, I was surprised. Lokomotiv wasn't that impressive, but uh, we were good. Um, so Spartak, uh, like, was I don't know. The I wouldn't say that the, there was like a beautiful. I don't really understand for what uh, in which and what. Uh, the, the tactics and what uh, kind of football Spartak plays, but definitely what is absolutely visible is that uh, all the players uh, got united, got behind the coach. Um, they definitely working hard. 
they're just fighting like crazy. I haven't seen that in so in, in very long time. And my question to the players is why they didn't do then uh, when the previous coach was there. So that kind of shows uh, what the relationship was between them and uh, Massimo Carrera. But uh, unfortunately, that's already in the past. Um, the the interesting story that uh, Spartak was leading two nothing, and uh, then uh, there was um, what now is. Um, Already a kind of outruled penalty because uh, the ball, uh, um, I think it was Smolov who was making a shot and he hit um, Nikolai Raskazov face first and then from the face it went into this into his hand, which wasn't supposed to be a penalty and definitely wasn't supposed to be a red card, but the referee made a mistake and um, that was a, that's now a big uh, talking point. But uh, from what I understand, the referees already. Um, Agree that it was a mistake and um, the red card will be outruled. But in general, uh, Lokomotiv, after they got, uh, only after they got um, the one-man advantage, they started playing attacking football. Otherwise, Spartak totally dominant. Uh, Spartak was a better team and uh, won the game absolutely correctly. Uh, Fedor Smolov had absolutely another shocker because he missed a, like a thousand percent chance from probably a meter away in open net and he missed it. And then he didn't score uh, the penalty, so he's had he not having a great 2018, and his transfer to Lokomotiv again raises many many questions just from his uh, point of his career. What is you know what if was it the right move for him? So, but uh, yeah, Spartak is back into this uh, Europa League Champions League race, and we'll see what happens next. I'm still very fearful about that cup game against Mighty Oral, but uh, we have one more game in the league against Anji, and then uh, Europa League a crucial game against Villar. So um, Spartak can, can finish season on a very good note. If we create a miracle and somehow not lose to Oral, and if we win away, and if we qualify for the next Europa League, that will be a good uh, start of uh, Spartak's career for Alek Kononov, and then he has three months to figure out who how to play the rest of the season. Well, yeah, you, you mentioned it, play the rest of the season. Uh, Tim, Roman Aramenko, there's now, I mean, yeah. his, his contract was till January. I know it's one of those weird, um, in Russian football and Ukrainian football actually as well. You see that quite often that contracts run until January 1st. He's in one of those weird, uh, January 1st contracts. Uh, Championat reported yesterday that Spartak will not renew his contract. How do you see, see that one? I'm a little bit torn on this situation because I'm a big fan of Roman Yuremka. I think he's a top player for Russian Premier League. And when he showed, what he showed on the pitch uh, in in the few games he played, I think I thought he was absolutely brilliant. And he, he can grow on this. He can get uh, in good form. But apparently he has some health issues, and I think that's that's one of the issues because currently he has he had a fracture. And that fracture is now it is causing him a problem and stop him from from playing, and that's a concern for the medical um, the medical uh, of Spartak. Uh, so uh, to be quite honest, we don't have, in my opinion, enough information to to really evaluate this decision if Spartak decides to cancel or stop the contract or not to renew the the, the contract with Ramayirovenka. But it looks like it has to do with the health and not the football. Uh, at least that's, that's the vision, that's the official version. And, um, we, you know, we don't know really what's, what's happening. It's, it's, it's weird because he had some kind of fracture, which was fine, but then it kind of came back and now he cannot really play and uh, train properly. So that's obviously concerning. And I think uh, Spartak is just, um, 
being cautious in terms of offering a big contract to a player who has that issue. Um, so that's, I think, the situation of what it is right now. But again, I, I don't think we can 100% have an opinion about it without fully knowing the medical condition of Romani Romenko. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, Andrew, how, how do you see that? If this contract is not um, renewed, um, health issues after a lengthy doping ban, uh, can we call it a doping ban? Yeah, sure, doping ban. Um, do you think there's still a future for Roman Emmerichenko in the sport? Um, I think so, because I think the general cause of public opinion, at least, uh, does, I don't think seems to blame him too much. I mean, he's, he's served a, in my opinion, quite ridiculous length of ban. I think the bans for recreational drugs, uh, are just so disproportionate to other crimes and offenses which should be much more harshly punished. And I think a lot of them loosely the same. Um, relatively low risk, or very low risk, given the length of his contract and the lack of chance of thing. And, and what an experienced player. He's just so good at controlling play, um, you know, moving into the final third. And that's that's been something that I think Spartak have probably uh, needed uh, this season so far. Um, if, he, if he does get let go, uh, I think there will be a lot of clubs who would try and snap him up. Um, and I'm not just saying it's just simply because I support Oral, but they do have a track record of, uh, in recent years, of, of signing bigger name, relatively experienced, uh, Russian internationals. So, um, uh, well, sorry, Russian, Russian internationals, yeah, the Minka Finch, but, um, of experienced players in the Russian Premier League, I, I wouldn't be entirely surprised if Oral made an audacious bid for him if he were to leave, um, Spartak. But, um, I certainly think there's a future for him. Uh, I had hoped he would stay at Spartak, and I still hope he does somehow. Um, but if it is only health issues, then he, if he puts his head down to it and tries to recover, then hopefully, hopefully he'll still stay. Yeah, there were some rumors uh, that the Krasnodar is interested, but again, I'm not, I'm not sure how much truth is it in that rumors. Yeah, he should go there if he wants to win a championship. <laughs> Based on somebody's <laughs> prediction, huh? <Yeah. laughs> well, actually. Yeah, yeah. That's a great transition. Uh, we can talk about <laughs> that next. <laughs> um, but before we talk about Krasnodar potentially winning the title, um, we have to talk about Sandy possibly coughing it up. Um, nice. because they tweeted that picture of the pitch at, uh, Arsenal Tula. And it seems like the social media team, um, is all the focus that is, that is put on the social media team these days at Sandy. There's very much attention on that, very little attention on the product on the field. Uh, boys, are we seeing a repeat from last year? I mean, this is this is remarkable. They were at Ugh. one point seven points clear on top of the table, and with one game left before the winter break, the gap between Zenit and and Krasnodar is just two points. And what happened in the game against Arsenal? Well, I mean, the 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 truth is that Arsenal are a very dangerous uh, counter-attacking side. They got plenty of players with pace. Um, they got plenty of players willing to take shots on. And, um, ironically, it was a play. He hasn't really had a starting place for some time now. Evans Kangwa, who scored twice. Now, this guy is absolutely rapid, absolutely rapid. But, but Zeddy shot themselves in the foot. Um, it was, I think it was Miha Mevlia, in fact, for the third goal. So arguably the critical goal when it was 2-2 and he, this was the, the goal that took Arsenal into the lead. Um, a, a ball over the top. It, I'm not saying it was without threat. He was he was under pressure, 
but he just simply dabbed a chest nowhere near close enough to the goalkeeper um, and he left I think it was Kang very in fact who scored that goal um, but it was just a, it was a monumental lack of concentration for Mevlia um, whether it was communication from the goalkeeper I don't think you can blame the goalkeeper for uh, a, a muck up as bad as that um, so certainly one goal was an individual mistake but um, but like, like I say Arsenal at home they are very dangerous They've, they've scored four goals in their Russian Cup game last week. They've won 4-2 in Orenburg. Uh, they've, they've won 4-2 again uh, in this game. And I think I'm actually right in saying they've scored more home goals than any other side of the league at the moment. Um, so, yeah, I mean, basically, it's not just the individual errors. It's not just that Arsenal are a dangerous side. But it's something we've spoken about the last few pods, Manu, that Zeni, again, they looked tired. Artyom Zuba looked completely out of it. Um, and I actually thought that Anton Zabalotny should have started this game for the simple reason that he's not an exciting player. He doesn't score very regularly, but he's a hard worker with energy, whereas Zuba is looking burnt out. Um, and I do think that also cost them. So a combination of factors, really. Um, but mostly, this is now seriously worrying for Zanit. Um, and more importantly, it's seriously worrying for my title prediction um, of Zanit to win the title. Yeah, it's not worrying for mine, but um, <laughs> <laughs> it's it, it, this, this is remarkable because when you look at the actual st- starts of this this game, um, Arsenal had fourteen shots, Zanit had thirteen shots, shots on target were seven seven each, um, so very even. Uh, Arsenal were just more efficient in that department than Zanit were. Possession, uh, as you expected, um, completely dominant by Sinead, 57%. They played more passes. Sinead also completed 80% of their passes and Arsenal just completed their 69% of their passes. So, um, but yet you still get six goals. And that's the, really the other thing that stands out for me, Tim. Uh, everyone always complains about Russian winter football and that the, the score lines are lower because it's cold, etc. Yet Arsenal, they put up in a, a magnificent show in this one. Yeah, which is very rare for uh, the football in these conditions. Usually, as as the weather um, goes below zero, the 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 scoring statistics goes uh, follows it pretty much. Uh, so yeah, so six goals in a winter game on a, on a snowy pitch is not. Um, not not the usual thing, but again, that's good. Um, I'm obviously happy, uh, not being absolutely biased, uh, that uh, Zenit is having those issues. Uh, it is, you know, it is worrying for them. It's interesting because club with so many resources and uh, so 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 much wealth, they can, um, you know, figure out that they have enough players to. Um, to be to be in top form, but obviously you know Artem Zuba. I don't know like how he still plays football because he had such a tough season physically and mentally, and I'm not sure where he finds any emotions to play more football. Uh, I agree with Andrew that you know that uh, Nikolai Zavalotny. Obviously, he's a, a loss in quality, but he probably should be given a, a bit more chances. That story with uh, Kakorin really really uh, put a big. Um, Blow uh, for for Zenit, um, not obviously obviously not only in in terms of uh, their status, but also just uh, missing on one more striker. Kakorin would have been a massive help right now in this part of the season, but he is in jail. So it is um, 
It is an interesting situation in Zenit. It's it's definitely better for the league because uh, now we have a, a proper title race. And my prediction about uh, Krasnodar winning the link actually might uh, go through. But I personally wouldn't go that far only because Krasnodar, they don't have enough experience of actually fighting for the title. I will only consider Krasnodar um, a, a serious contender when they will be probably a few games away from the end of the season and they still will be in this position. I just really think they don't have enough uh, that uh, experience in terms of actually winning the league and when we talk about the the top top uh, results of football uh, in my opinion that matters. So Krasnodar is definitely a team which deserves uh, to be up top but I think uh, I really hope that they still will be there a few games before the end of the season and hopefully the other team they will be fighting for the champions ch- championship will be Spartak Moscow. Non-biased opinions at all. Yeah, no, none at all. Um, <laughs> that's, that's a good transition because we have to talk about uh, Krasnodar. Um, Andrew, not a great day in the office for you because they did beat Ural uh, 2-0. Yeah. This this was a this was this is a big big day for for uh, Krasnodardo because that was a game that was pretty much deadlocked for them right they were absolutely dominating Ural and uh, yeah. but it took until this 56 minute um, for them to score the opener and um, based <laughs> it's an interesting story coming out with uh, Shapi Soleimanov um, and his his goal scoring uh, his goal scoring antics because. He's pretty much turned into the, the Russian Paco Alcazar. Um, he scores, his scoring frequency is just insane. Um, he scores a goal every 31 minutes. Um, that's, that's Shapi, uh, Soleimanov. Um, just three minutes less than Paco Alcazar, who scores a goal every 28 minutes right now in, in Germany. That's because they both come off the bench quite frequently, right? Yeah, it's, I mean, if you would actually play 90 minutes and you had this kind of goal scoring rate, whoo, we'd be, we'd be talking, uh, triple figures. But, I mean, that's just seems to be Krasnodar's biggest asset at the moment that they can bring off young players off the bench that they produce in their own academy and make the difference in the second half of games. And that's how they pretty much crawled their way back into this, this title race, right? Yeah, I mean, Shappy's record is is just remarkable. And what is also remarkable is that a lot of his goals have been, well, I wouldn't say long ranges, but certainly not tapping. His his finishing is is exquisite, and it, I think it's his confidence on the ball as well. He he seems to love cutting in onto his left foot, but he he's aware of what's going on. He doesn't always go straight for goal. He will he will have his head up, and he's aware of where his teammates are. Uh, for an 18-year-old to have that amount of level-headed awareness around him, uh, and to not be a first-choice starter at all, and still be, I think, fourth top goal scorer in the Russian Premier League, is it speaks volumes. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I I expected this to be a comprehensive defeat, and it was in pretty much every area. If there were two goal scorers who were going to do that to Odell, it would be. Um, Shapi, uh, Suleimanov and Ivan Gnatiev, who I want to score, uh, because I want to see the best Russian youth, and I would argue they are in the best setup for Russian youth at the moment. I want to see them doing well at the highest level. Um, so yeah, it, it, they're looking, they're looking more and more dangerous. And what I like is that 
I mean, Shappy's numbers are remarkable, but the fact that he's not been thrown in to the starting lineup just simply because he's scored a few off the bench, he's being brought in at a sensible pace. I think that bodes well for his future development. So, yeah, uh, Shappy and Ignatiev, those two, uh, as part of a side with some experience, uh, at least, will they have enough for the title? Well, I know what your answer is, Manu. Um, Tim's doubts, <laughs> I'm sort of, I'm 50 50 on them, really. Um, I wouldn't mind at all if they did win. Uh, I think now it's very, very close, but you never know. It could be somebody like Shappy, end of a season, fresh legs coming off the bench, it makes a difference. Oh no, Andrew, don't get me wrong. I would love if, if Krasnodar win over Zenita in the, in the title race. I would just enjoy that as much as, as. Happy Zenit being denied the title? Really? <laughs> Surprise, <laughs> huh? Uh, no, I was just saying about that, uh, the, the experience. Um, because, yeah, like I want Krasnodar, if, if it comes down to Krasnodar versus Zenit, of course, I will be all over for Krasnodar. But, um, I think they, they need to, play well the second half of the season because we know what three months of the break means in Russian football and sometimes team comes back in a completely different state of mind after they have this three months of break. So I'm just saying that, um, you know, I will only really consider them not because of quality, just because of um, experience when we get to the end of the season. But if we get there, of course, please, Krasnodar won the league over Zenit. I think... I think that's the need is probably the club that wants that winter break the most at the moment. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's that, that I think that is really the bottom line here with, with one match day left, right? And then there's a three month break. Um, that Sema can use to his advantage. And I think that's going to be quite significant for them because they're going to be able to reshuffle players. Um, Bring in, Juba get rest. give Juba a three month rest. I mean, let's be honest, the first month they're all going to hang out at a beach somewhere, right? Yeah, um, yeah. and I think that is really, that is, that, that's what they need right now. They just need to get that two point lead somehow across the line, um, one way or another. And I don't think that's going to be quite that easy because, um, I have the, the, the final match day right before me and, um, Sinida playing Rubin. Um, on the final yeah. match day and Krasnodar are playing Ufa, right? Both at home. Um, I mean, both of those games are not easy, but I would actually argue that the Rubin game is probably the more difficult of the two, right, Tim? Yeah, I agree with you. Yeah, Rubin could always is capable of uh, getting a result, especially, you know, because they're, the name of their coach is Kurban Berdiev. Um, they're playing obviously a way that might be tougher, but uh, we've seen many times how Rubin can uh, be very, very organized and uh, hard to beat. Um, I think Krasnodar has a bit more chances against Tofa. Wouldn't be crazy if Krasnodar, um, leaves, uh, to the break of, on the first place ahead of Zenith. That would have been a great story. Yeah, it would be a great story because, I mean, Andrew, we talked about this countless times after <laughs> the winter break. It's like almost a different season. Ten games, it's a sprint. Um, things change very quickly. Well, you're 100% right. That Zeni are the club, probably of all, and I'd argue at both ends of the table even, that are just crying out for this winter break. Um, I've got to be honest, I think Krasnodar Ufa is, is a very comfortable fixture for Krasnodar to finish. Um, and I, Zenit will know that. Um, Rubin, I, I actually, oh God, this is going to, this is going to be a huge game potentially in the title. It's that psychological difference to that, what was previously thought an unassailable lead. If that was cut, 
or even overturned by a point on the last day before the winter break, then those three months will be fraught with self-doubt and questioning um, in St. Petersburg and Kras, and I will be thinking, well, okay, it's only one point advantage, but we're in the lead now. Um, the only thing I would say, though, is like Tim mentioned, Krasnodar have never quite been the front runners before. They've always fallen agonisingly short, always gallantly short of their targets. Because realistically, Champions League was always the target for um, uh, Sergei Galitsky, and they've always just fallen short of that. Now they've got a completely new tier of expectation. Will they be able to deal with it? I, to be honest, I think they're looking as well set as any other club outside the traditional three or four title challenges um, for, well, ever, realistically, in the Russian Premier League. So um, I think I think this last round of fixtures, it's a huge, huge game, that, for Zanit. Um, Rubin, don't forget, they've only lost once away from home this season. and They're the draw specialists on the road, like Tim mentioned from Goran Badev's, um his, his leadership. That's the way he plays. So, oh, I'd say at this point, it's 50-50 who will be top going into the winter break. And I cannot believe two months ago, I would never have believed that that would have been the case. But that's where we are. Yeah, I think what speaks for Krasnodar at the moment, um, you also look at their goal differential. It's 30-12, to 12, um, as opposed to Sinead's, which is 26-15. to 15. So um, they have already overtaken Sinead in that regard. You know, they're scoring more and they're conceding less. Um, so, yeah, it's, it, it, it's a, it's a fantastic story. It's a fantastic story all around. And, uh, I think it will be fascinating to watch that final match day, um, ahead of, you know, of the winter break. And then we have three months where we basically going to discuss special topics, boys. So, um, the Sinead Rubin game aside, Tim, what's your game to watch before the, the before the winter break? Um, yeah, I, I shouldn't have asked. I know the answer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, actually, my answer is, yeah, well, <laughs> the game which will have uh, Spartak is playing against Andre away, I don't think that will be the the game which will have uh, the whole nation uh, glued to, to the TVs. Uh, but, yeah, like, probably just pro- from from the, the point of what we discussed is a very important game, uh, yeah, in St. Petersburg, Zenit, against Rubin, because really that game... But like we said, can can really change this the whole story of of the season. Um, yeah, and um, yeah, obviously, a game against Krasnodar. I think those two games are, uh, will be will be very important. I looked at the calendar in the future. Um, if that um, um, point gap will continue, uh, there's one more game remaining between Krasnodar and Zenit, and that game is in Krasnodar. So there's a little advantage. Uh, well, obviously not significant, but uh, at least something that. Uh, you know, keeps Krasnodar positive. So I think it could be very, very interesting. And, um, yeah, another club from Moscow is not too far away. So who knows? Yeah. I wonder who that is. Uh, <laughs> Andrew, do you agree with Tim? That's the one to watch. Well, absolutely. It's Angie against Spartak. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, in all, in all seriousness, I, for me, it's, um, yeah, that's a neat Rubin game just because it won't be, it won't be a thrilling game for neutrals to watch, but just that the, the implications around it are just so huge. Um, I mean, the middle of the table, well, I say the middle, sort of the, a large part of the table is so tight. I mean, you've got Ahmad down in 11th on 20 points. Uh, only five points separate them and Spartak in fifth, in fourth, sorry. Um, so even for Rubin, if they, if they lose, which 
on balance, you'd have to argue they're less favourites to win, shall we say. Um, and if Dynamo Moscow pull off the miracle of all miracles and beat the mighty Oral, then suddenly they're, you know, they're, um, they're only two points off, off Dynamo Moscow. It's, the implications are huge. Um, so I'd, I'd have to say it's an even win. Uh, I mean, I'd love to say Oral will dance to a 5-0 win in Moscow against Dynamo, but I don't quite think that's going to happen. So there's a neat game for me. Yeah. Yeah, that will be the one that we're going to preview um, on footballgrad.com. So keep your eyes glued um, onto that one. Um, boys, the, the next topic, um, we have we have two more topics to discuss, but uh, the next topic, um, I have an update on the uh, the martial law situation in, in Ukraine, um, as we discussed last week, uh, was Club Poltava saw their team moved, their game moved against Arsenal. Um, and Andrew, this is something that we discussed in quite a big length, right? Is the fact that Arsenal sort of got their way and, um, got UEFA to move for the, the game, even though the Poltava region is not one of the regions in which martial law was declared, um, to Kiev. That's where the game took place. Um, this of course now has quite a significant impact and there's a story up on this on footballgrad.com for more details. But Shakhtar Donetsk announced yesterday that their final Champions League game against Olympic Lyon, and this is a significant game for them because if they win that game, they can actually advance to the round of 16 for the second year in a row, which would be huge for a club that has been exiled from their home for the last four years. Um, that game will now play, take place at the Olympiski uh, in Kiev. Um, not ideal for them because they basically have to play the most important game of the season in the backyard of the, of the, in the stadium of the biggest rival. Um, and that in turn means that Dinamo Kiev actually have to play the next day on Thursday at the Lobanovsky, which is the smaller stadium, uh, the, um, alternative stadium of their club, um, in Kiev. And, it also means, yeah, it also means that the stadium, uh, in, in Lviv, the Arena Lviv actually has filed a grievance now with UEFA and Shakhtar Donetsk because they, that, that was the stadium listed as a backup. So, uh, I just wanted to give a little bit of a backup on the situation. Um, what's going on? It's a complicated situation with the conflict happening in the Donbass. So, um, yeah. Uh, we'll keep you up to date. And yes, as I said, there's a great article up on this on footballcraft.com. Um, boys, the Euro 2020 qualification draw. Um, Ukraine in Group B with Portugal, Serbia, Lithuania and Luxembourg. Tim, we'll get to talk about you boys in just a moment. But that is a doable but not comfortable group for Ukraine. Absolutely, yeah. Like that's, I think that's a doable group, especially given that there are two, two teams qualify, right? Um, at least, I, I'm already confused with that Europe or Nations League business. Uh, but this still, it's a doable group, um, especially with the football which we saw by Ukrainian side in the Nations League. Um, they were very impressive. We talked about this young generation and obviously, um, you know, Portugal, I was going to say it's not Germany. But Germany hasn't been this, the, themselves in the past year. But let's say Portugal, yeah, it's 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 a team which you can play against, and uh, Ukraine has the capability. So I think good luck to them, and um, hopefully, hopefully we'll see them in 2020 in this uh, crazy Euro, which will happen. Yeah, the, the European-wide European Championships. Um, Andrew, Russia in Group I. Uh, with Belgium, Scotland, Cyprus, Kazakhstan, San Marino. I mean, um, 
that is definitely doable, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I'd, I'd say so. Um, I'm still feeling a little bit frustrated that Russia threw away a very strong position in the Nations League to get a playoff spot as, yeah. as a back. But actually looking at the draw, uh, it's, it shouldn't be necessary. Belgium, of course, are easily the strongest team in the in that group. Um, if Russia can get a get a point at home, I, I wouldn't be that disappointed if they if they lost away because you'd expect that. Um, Scotland are better than people probably imagine they are. They actually have a very very young side coming through, but they they're not they're not the finished product by any means. And even if they are, the Scottish football is not um, it's not the strongest at national team level. Um, so Cyprus, Kazakhstan, San Marino really should be. Um, it's not arrogant to say that should be, um, well, 18 points out of those six games home and away against those teams. So realistically, um, a result against, a result, a win against Scotland at home and avoid defeat away. And that should, should be enough, um, for Russia to get through to the top two, which does get automatic qualifications yeah. to the Euros finals. So that's the, that's the end game. So yeah, I'd say that's a, relatively comfortable group as they go yeah i would say so too i think i mean for both ukraine and uh russia uh, i mean ukraine already has to back up because they did uh, get promoted right and they won their group so um, they're in a very comfortable position but um russia should be able to finish in the top two and that's the thing um it, the euro is now 24 teams um you know half the continent gets invited to play so i, I think that russia has enough to finish um, second behind Belgium because I think Belgium are gonna are gonna dominate this group. Um, we, I mean, we've seen what Belgium did at the World Cup. That generation of players is still very much together. So um, it will be all about getting the the best over Scotland, Cyprus, Kazakhstan, and San Marino. And um, by all due respect, that sh- that should be that should be absolutely doable. Anyways, boys, managed to get through all the topics. We had a lot to discuss. I want to wish everyone a happy last Christmas match day in the Russian Premier League. Um, that's going to be next weekend. We're going to discuss that next week, of course. But until then, uh, Tim, what's going on? I mean, it's Christmas season. Yeah, I'm really excited. I'm going to Russia for uh, for the new year and for the Russian Christmas. First time in uh, six years. I'm very, very excited about that. Um, obviously, before that, I'm doing a big show in Vancouver called Christmas Rager. I'm doing a two-day mini festival, which will feature... 11 local events which will end up happening uh, next weekend. And uh, obviously I will be glued to be watching my team play, especially, okay, that already lost game against Ural where we don't have a chances, but we still have chances against Anji and Villarreal and hopefully we will finish the season strong and progress to the next stage of Europa League. Yeah, that's that's that game will actually be covered um, on footballguard.com. So keep your eyes open to that. Um, Andrew, how about you? Christmas season. Um, what have you been up to? Are you going home at all? Or are you going to stay in Russia? I, I actually am. Uh, I heard Tim was coming, so I bought my tickets quickly to England. Um, nah, just kidding. I'm, <laughs> I'm actually gutted about that. But, um, you know, in Russian terms, he's just down the road, but in realistic terms, he's about a thousand miles away, I think. But yeah, no, I'm flying home for Christmas. I'll be catching some non-league football in England, um, which I'm looking forward to immensely. Um, and it is actually a busy period for me too. I've got, uh, there's a couple of magazines that we're bringing out at totalfootballanalysis.com. Um, 
and they they are generally brilliant. I mentioned them in the last pod. We've got the new edition coming out next week, and then we've got the end of year review, which is going to be fantastic coming out the week after. So um, if you like analysis, statistics, you'd like knowing how to describe the game, how it's happened, head to head to totalfootballanalysis.com. You'll, you'll find a, a good product there. Yeah, absolutely. We hosted some of it on uh, footballstrap.com, and I have to say it's just just brilliant stuff. Um, yeah, I mean, if you listen to this podcast, um, tomorrow is a big day. Uh, if you're a German listener, of course, happy St. Nikolaus. That's uh, when Santa Claus arrives in Germany. Um, everyone else gets him a lot later. The Russians not till January. Um, the English not till December 24th. We'll get him tomorrow. Yay. So that's a, that's a big one for me. Of course, there's still lots of other football stuff going on. Um, footballguard.com will have lots of articles come up this week, uh, a lot of features. So good feature coming today on Rapid Bucharest. I'm very excited. Um, a new contribution. So, um, check that out at Football Grad Live. Yeah, boys. That's it. We are wrapped. We are done. Um, until next week. Dos Vidanje. <laughs>love watching live tv but are tired of your huge cable bill sling tv has the same top cable channels for as little as half the price so you can save hundreds of dollars while still watching your favorite sports news reality tv and more ditch cable and get slings total live streaming solution with free local channels setup and installation are included make the smart choice and switch to sling tv get the best of cable for the best price learn more at sling.com slash cut cable that's sling.com slash cut cable. Set up an installation included with $49 down and $20 a month for 12 months. Restrictions apply. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.